Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Hello and welcome to The Outer Hour. I'm Tom London, your host for the next 60 minutes. It's a special edition of The Outer Hour tonight as we focus on the arrests of two of the Gupta brothers arrested in Dubai this week. We'll talk about the case against the Gupta brothers as well as the likelihood of extradition to South Africa. State capture. What happens next? We discuss accountability on The Outer Hour tonight. And let's take you behind the scenes, shall we, to our production team. Samantha Van Nispen is off tonight, but our producer, Devaney Davids, is standing by. Let's say hello to Devaney. Hello, Devaney. Devaney, you there? Hello, Devaney. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Tom. There you Hi, are. We, we were waiting in suspense. The Outer Hour producer, Devaney Davids. You're looking forward to the show tonight, Devaney? Yes, I am. I am. Well, so are, so are we. Thank you for putting it together. Now, in your Facebook comments tonight, you'll find Masejo Mutsuneng is moderating. Let's say hello to Masejo in her um, home office. How's it, Masejo? Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome. Glad that you could join us tonight. When you chat in Facebook tonight, know when you see the outer handle, Masejo Motsuneng will be chatting to you. Now, off to YouTube we go, where Ilse Sazvil, who's been on the show before, will be representing outer in the comment section. Hello, Ilse, how are you tonight? Hi, Tom. Glad to be back. It's good to have you back. Are you looking forward to the show? Of course, always. And especially this one, because outer did such great work in helping to expose the Guptas. We'll be talking about the Guptas tonight and we've got a, a star-studded lineup. Remember, your comments and your questions are valuable on this show. We want them from you. Shall we start with, uh, shall we start with some of those comments and see who's on uh, first tonight? Let's see, uh, Claire Feldman is first this evening. Claire says, evening, Team Outer. We'll pop a couple of comments on quickly. Don't forget to like and share the show. Melissa Whitehorn joins us from Pretoria. Hello, Melissa. Thank you for joining the Outer Hour. Stefani Fick will be on your screen tonight and inside your comment section. Stefani says, how's it? Freddie Mills says, the Gupta Hour. Well done with a thumbs up, says Freddie. Rudy Henniker will also be on the show and on your screen tonight. Rudy says, good evening, Outerians. Michael John Billsbury says, hello, Outer. Jeff P. Scott says, good evening, Tom. And everyone else, people are joining from around South Africa and around the world. We welcome our viewers on Facebook and YouTube. Hilda Mayer says, hello to the Outer team. Carl Edwards says, great work, Outer organization, undoing tax abuse, keep going. Faiza Ravat says, good evening, everybody. Hello, Faiza. Welcome to the show. Evelyn McDonald says, okay, she's got a, uh, that's handled by the moderators. Uh, Claire Feldman says, it's been a good week for Outer and the MPA. Devaney Davids, our show's producer, is in the room and says, hello, everybody. Rachel Fisher down in Cape Town says, good evening, Tom, the team, and all the supporters. Trevor Ward says, good evening, all. They join in thick and fast tonight. Ashley Elof Muller says, hi, Outer. Nice to be back. Ashley from Joburg will do one or two more. Let's see who we got. Anna Kutsia says, hi guys from Moraleta out in Pretoria. Hey, Stella Turas Fanikak says, evening all. And we'll pop more of your hellos. Don't forget to put where you're from. And if you're a first time viewer, put that in the section as well. The comment section, that is. It's at this point that we ask you to like and share this program. That's how we get it out to more and more people. Well, let me introduce the guests to you this evening. We will start with, um, well, why don't we, ladies first, let's start with Stefani Fick, the Executive Director of the Accountability Division at Alta. Hello, Stefani. 
How's it, Tom and everybody? Yeah, <clears throat> I am joined by um, esteemed gentlemen tonight. So looking forward to the discussion. I mean, I don't think Rudy knows more about state capture than I don't know someone that knows more about state capture. And we are joined by Africa de Toy, who knows, I think, also more than most about extraditions and so forth. So this is going to be fun. Thank you. Looking forward <laughs> to it. And you mentioned Advocate JJ de Toy. Uh, Advocate JJ de Toy is the former Deputy Director of Public Prosecutions in Johannesburg, also head of the extradition desk. And uh, Advocate de Toy worked as a team leader and trial attorney at the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia in the Hague, Netherlands. Um, an esteemed guest we have this evening, Advocate de Toy. I'm going to call you JJ from uh, here on because you gave me permission. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tom, and uh, thank you to all your viewers. I'm looking really forward to uh, to have this discussion with you, and uh, thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> the, the pleasure is ours. And then, uh, as Stefani said, nobody knows more about the details behind state capture than our very own Rudy Henneke. Hello, Rudy. Hi Tom and uh, Stefani and JJ, welcome JJ and uh, I think we're going to have a nice discussion tonight. Rudy is Outer's State Capture Portfolio Manager. Let me start with Stefani Fick because we've discussed the Gupta so many times on the show before. Uh, every week we have a viewer or two, I'm thinking of Clive Beckett who says when is somebody going to be arrested? or uh, charged, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's a big one. Um, these are the big fish. And let me ask Stefani, did you expect this, Stefani? I mean, did this come, I think for most South Africans, this came as a surprise, many questioning the timing, but be that as it may, uh, a, a great development in, in terms of fighting corruption. Did it surprise you? No, I, I think this is what we were hoping for, that eventually the, the you know, all, um, um, everything will fall into place and, 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 and that this will, will, will happen. Yeah, I, I've heard talks about, um, you know, the, the timing of, of the whole thing. I think, you know, we've been asking for accountability, accountability, and want the Guptas in South Africa. I think it's a little bit of a vindication for the NPA, you know, there is life <laughs> and they are yeah. doing something. I mean, I saw an article about they were delaying the matters. I mean, um, I think if you if you work for any state department, sometimes things are just slower than 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 um, than it's supposed to be. But things happen. I really, uh, uh, someone must still prove me wrong. You know, the wheels of justice are turning sometimes very slowly. Uh, it's very slowly, but it is turning. I mean, Rudy and I was at um, um, the. Portuguese embassy had a very interesting discussion there. And what was important to them is that in South Africa, the, you know, the three corners is civil society, which is strong, the, 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 the um, criminal justice system and freedom of speech. So, um, you know, it, it's good to see that there's life in our justice system. Uh, let me ask uh, JJ uh, for his reaction to the arrests. I mean, you know, uh, we've had, I don't know, how long have we been talking about this? Two or three years on the show. It's been a long wait. And Stefani always assures us, uh, those of us who go, hold on, it's taking too long, Stefani. When are we going to see arrests? And Stefani runs through the legal process and says the wheels of justice turn slowly. Don't worry, they turn. Uh, would you concur with uh, what your... Uh, what, what your esteemed colleague Stefani Fick has to say, uh, uh, JJ, is, is this a, around the right time frame for a case this big? Uh, I can tell you, Tom, I fully concur with her. You know, sometimes I, I thought I was the only person that, uh, that remained positive. Just, just a little bit of an insight. You know, when I worked at the International Court in Yugoslavia, we had this one guy who was a political leader, Radovan Karadzic. We were looking for 12 years for him before we arrested him. He took eight years in court with all the court cases and the appeal. Eventually, he was, uh, you know, his conviction of genocide and life imprisonment, you know, were confirmed. But it took 20 years. So, you know, we're only three years now. It's not, it's not so, uh, you know, they, you know uh, don't, don't be worried. This thing will happen and they will stand trial and they will, you know, eventually, I think, uh, you know, things will be done. So. This is not too long for me at the moment. <clears throat> now, let me tell you, I'm just going to extend my, my question, if I may. Uh, we've got a viewer, we've yes. got lots of viewers who, who come on every week and many who say, when are we going to see arrest? We've got one particular viewer, his name is Clive Beckett. 
And every week mm. he says, ah, it's taking too long. <laughs> when are we going to see arrests? There's nothing's happening. And you know, for a, recently I've, I've been watching the, his comments come up on the screen and going, oh, we really don't have an answer for Clive. But tonight, the door has opened to state capture prosecutions, so to speak. Is this the beginning of big things to come? Should we see this as a precursor to more charges being laid against more high-profile people, politicians and business people? Yes, I think so. I think, you know, we've got now in the ID, we've got Andrea Johnson. She's, she's a very competent prosecutor. You know, Armin Cronier was also good, but she could cut more of the assets at forfeiture unit background. So I think it's uh, absolutely the right time now for Andrea to take over. And, uh, you know, these cases, unfortunately, take long. You know, I've also been involved with a lot of okay, human rights abuses and that type of thing. But, you know, the thing is, you must have your ducks in a row and you, and you can't go and prosecute too quickly. You know, just look what they're on the national level when they try to prosecute the president of Kenya and his vice president. That case didn't get off the ground. Why? Because... It was, they prosecuted too early and you cannot afford, we always say as, as a type of, a, you know, as working on this organized crime, because, you know, that uh, you must have a 120% case if you take on these big guys, because they got good counsel and your ducks must be in a row. So I would rather wait a little bit than rush into prosecution and then at the end you've got egg on your face. Well, let me throw the first viewer question at you this evening. It comes, or statement rather, and ask you to respond to it. It comes from Christo Fente. He says, I don't think any Gupta or Zuma will ever go to jail. Let me push the uh, former president aside for a second because he is old and uh, he has been delaying. His lawyers have been using what uh, the media calls Stalingrad, uh, Stalingrad tactics. Um, to, to delay his day in court. Would you think the same would happen with the Guptas? Uh, do you believe that, if found, you know, that they'll be found guilty and that they will go to jail? I'm very confident in the, in the legal processes that because remember now, after the extradition, if that's favorable, they will come to South Africa and they will have to stand trial, probably in, in a high court in Bloemfontein. I don't know whether the NPA will add other charges that is, uh, you know, at the moment under consideration. But I, I strongly believe they, they, they will come to South Africa. They will have a fair trial. And, and if there's, uh, you know, proper evidence led, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the result will come. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's just too early for one to say this way or that way. Because remember now, everybody... You know, whether you like that person or not, they're innocent in, in, in the law until they found guilty. So mm. I, I don't want to make predictions. Sure. But I, all I'm trying to say is they will come. I believe strongly they will come. They will get a fair trial. And that is, that is for me, the most important thing. <laughs> Got it. I'm mean, looking at comments from Leonard van der Leithart and saying, I'm afraid to say the justice system is very slow in South Africa. Too many loopholes and appeals. Stefani? Stefani? <laughs> For my unmute button that has shifted for some other reason, I'm certain that Zoom is playing you know, a full, mere fool every time it sits on a different button. But in any case, um, I, you know, just for one minute, this is not an excuse. Uh, it, it, for me, it's an explanation. If you are ever faced with being wrongly accused, you find yourself behind bars, you find yourself facing criminal charges. You find yourself being accused of something you firmly believe you did not do. Believe me, you want to have a criminal justice system like South Africa's, where you have the, the right to a, a speedy trial, where you have the right to a trial, where you have the right to represent yourself. So, you know, it is conflicting rights that we need to balance. Yes, we want this to happen quickly. We want people behind bars. But on the other hand, always remember that the same system is there for guilty people and is there for not guilty people. And um, we have a system where the state, on the balance of probabilities, have to prove that you are guilty. You also don't want the, the court to put you behind bars because of hearsay. Um, I'm going to go 
off the point because we had this whole argument about this whole Cyril Ramaphosa case. And guys, sure. whether I like the guy, whether I want him to be the president or not, or whatever political game the guys are playing, I've never heard so much nonsense in an affidavit like I've read um, about the complaints against um the president can we this is can, we, can you can you explain that to us stefani because this is a hot topic at the moment i mean i was watching the eff presser yesterday where uh, Julius Malema was calling on civil society to uh, you know, join the fight in removing the sitting president. And we've seen this before. You know, We had the Zuma Must Fall uh, campaign. We can call it a campaign where people took to the streets and said, we don't want this president anymore. We knew back then that we had, we were starting to see that we had this rotten uh, core in the executive in South Africa. And there was hope that the new president, then deputy president, who would go on to win the elective conference at the ANC and become our president would offer us a better deal when it comes to accountability and corruption. Now we have opposition parties, for example, saying, get rid of this president because we did it once before. And I understand the argument. Well, I understand why political parties would want to do that because they'd like to see the destruction of the, the ruling party for their own benefit. Uh, it makes sense. But for the average South African who stands up and says, go, uh, Ramaphosa, who comes next? Is our next president David Mabuza? Is there an elective conference at the end of the year that Sora Ramaphosa isn't in? And then we have Ace Mag President Ace Magashula. You know, there, there's so much uncertainty if you remove this president the way, the way many are calling for him to be removed. But I'm fascinated by what you have to say about the charge sheet. Because for most of us who are not uh, legally minded or don't have legal minds, it, it didn't look, you know, it just looked like a, you know, a statement, uh, charges, etc. And we've got no cooking clue when it comes to the law. So why, why did that charge sheet um, grate you, so to speak? Yo, um, I just, let me just, if, if they prove something or if they show that there's evidence against Sil Ramaphosa, who's the sitting president, or any president, there must be accountability. I think civil society has fought hard enough for um, accountability in our history with state capture. We need accountability, and hopefully there will be. But if you think about the circumstances when the statement came out and the evidence or the so-called evidence in, the, in, 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 in this affidavit, it is really ridiculous. Um, and the only thing one can think is that this is a political ploy. And that is what's sort of wrong of what went wrong is because of this political games that were played and people just playing this because they want to make money. So this affidavit starts off by um, alleging that the president is guilty of money laundering and corruption. And when I read the last sentence, I still don't know why we are saying that there's even allegations. Let's say they never get any other evidence um, why they would say there's money laundering. The fact that you may have an enormous amount of money under your mattress that doesn't mean money laundering. People do not understand the meaning of money laundering. Now you have a, a, a person that was a minister previously that is accusing a sitting president of a very serious crime without having any basis. I'm not saying that they might uncover money laundering, and yes, then he should be held accountable. Mm -hmm. But to make certain assumptions and to jump to certain conclusions on hearsay, Arthur Fraser was not a witness to any of this. Um, I, I'm sitting here, I don't know who was. There was there's talks of a lot of people. None of this was witnessed by this alleged accused. Um, um, this accused have got enormous amount of monies and uh, in his house that was taken, and this makes him guilty of. It is just. Um, what I'm, what, what I really want is just please investigate this. But why this is such a tragedy is because this is um, now made known for whatever reason. And the only deduction I can I, I can come to is that this is very um, uh, it's tailor made. It it, it really mm. it screams of you know we need to do something in order to create a certain dialogue um, and that a certain faction is 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 trying to throw something at the sitting president. And, and, and it pains me to, to sort of um, become, it feels like, I, I feel 
like I need to take a bath because they force <laughs> us to speak about political stuff. And, and I think we've had enough. But Got it. Um, I mean, if, if this is what we have, um, uh, it is really ridiculous. I just hope that they investigate this nonsense. And if there is something, then obviously, sure. please um, let us prosecute him. Got it. Can well, I you're... just say this? Yes, of course. Then, um, with regards to all the other people that was uh, there was allegations against, and it, it's going to say, but you know, we 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 wanted people to be removed because of other allegations, guys. There's a difference between speculation and looking in a crystal ball and think you know what happened versus here's evidence. Here is Viva Voki evidence in a Zondo commission that implicates certain people. We are not um, grabbing it out of the air. I mean, we as an organization, organization has been fighting hard for accountability because this evidence, we are talking literally about, it really sounds like a fiction novel. Mm. It makes us so angry because they we fight hard for accountability and then they say, okay, now the president is is, is accused of something. Where's yeah. accountability? Unfair. A lot of questions coming in from our viewers uh, on some of the technical uh, sides of uh, extradition, uh, money being paid back, etc., etc. So we've got a lot of questions coming in that I'd like to put to you and uh, Rudy and Advocate Detoy. But let's uh, start with uh, the latest updates on Transnet. Rudy, what, what have you got for us? Well, Tom, I don't think that there were too many changes from the uh, appearances. Uh, what was it, two weeks ago, that Friday, when uh, Eric Wood uh Gama and the rest of the gang appeared in court. Um, but we must be mindful that the 13th of July there's another appearance and uh, it was on record from the spokesperson of the uh, NPA that they will be uh, at that time they will bring uh, more accused to court. Um, and I do think that um, you know, a few big names uh, will be on the charge sheet. Uh, you know, in on the in the next appearance. Well, let me um, let me move on to the Guptas for a second and and ask uh, Advocate Detoy about uh, the Guptas and, and why they were arrested. Uh, we're seeing questions coming in, for example, from Debbie Stephenson, who says, "Will the Astina Free State issue only be addressed, or the entire state capture issue in terms of the Guptas?" I was reading something in the media uh, just yesterday that uh, put put this idea forward that when you want extradition, you've got to have all your ducks in a row. You've got to have all the charges on, on the charge sheet. You're, in fact, you're, almost your entire case needs to be put down before you can get them back to South Africa. So could, could you just explain to us, JJ, what were they arrested for? And uh, is there a possibility that more charges will be added before or after extradition? How does that work? Now, I think it's very good, uh, very good questions. Uh, let, let's start from the beginning. Remember now the red notice was issued on the case in Bloemfontein. And, and that was a case of 25 million. We, we know the facts. It's about a year ago. So because they were futures of justice, uh, normally what you do is that you go through the Interpol channel and say, all right, you know, I'm looking for a person or persons in this case that has allegedly committed these crimes and I want you to assist me to trace them. Mm. Now, the Interpol organization will then circulate that red notice to all its members all over the world. They, they, it's on the computer, and you, if they see a name pick up, they will stop you, and they can detain you. Now, it's, it's important to remember that that red notice was only issued on that only case. It was early days. And uh, that was it. So when they were arrested in Dubai recently, that was on that case only. Now, what's, uh, the practice is what will happen now is that, you know, we also signed a treaty, as you know, yeah. which is a good thing. It's not necessary is that, that, is, is, is that, that you have to have a treaty. Is that treaty Sorry? signed? Are all the I's dotted and the T's crossed? No, that no, that thing is, that thing is, it was published in the government because okay. on the 1st of April, it's now April Fool, uh, 22. And everything is done. There's nothing wrong with that thing. It's in operation. But Tom, just a, a quick reminder. It's not a requirement that there must be a treaty. You can extradite without a treaty. You know, I've done cases to Brazil. Okay. Where there's no treaty. It's comedy. It's international. But let's leave that for the moment. So what is very important now is remember now, 
a red notice is only a notice. It's not an extradition application. It's not a warrant. It's just a notice to another country that if you find that person, please let us know. So this is what happened. The got boy it. let us know. South Africa, we've got these guys. Are you interested? We say, yes, we are interested. And now the legal documentation and the legal process kicks in. And then according to the treaty, what you must do now is you must, you must request provisional arrest and extradition of that person, of that person's. Now, what you do normally is a very short document that you just tell the other country, yes, I'm still interested in this matter. This is the counts that I want him to be prosecuted for. I've got a warrant for him. And can you please detain him now under, call it Dubai law or Arabic law or what the law is in that specific country? Yeah. Because remember, that other country must make sure now that the crimes that we want to prosecute are also crimes in their country. You know, you can get strange incidents like adultery, for example, a stupid, uh, maybe example, in some countries, a crime, crime is not a crime in another country. So that is normally where you tell that country, please arrest provisionally. And now if you do that, we will provide our full extradition application where we put everything in within 60 days. That's what the treaty says. You must do it within 60 days. Now, the counts is very important question that. Surely you must tell them that the counts are the ones from Bloemfontein. Well, that's why you got the red notice for you. Sure. you. You must include it, but you can also include other counts. And I think that at the moment, for the NPA to consider is what other counts can we add to the counts in Bloemfontein? And that must be disclosed now to the Dubai authorities in the provisional arrest application and subsequently when we file the full application, because you're quite right, you have to, to give the other country uh, a sort of a synopsis of what your case is all about. You can't extradite mm. for investigation purposes. If you don't have a case, don't try it. You know, you will lose it and you will egg in your face. So your, your ducks must be in a row. And I think at the moment, uh, what I know from previous experience is the MPA is considering what other charges to the Bloemfontein charges can be added when we ask for extradition uh, uh, to, uh, to Dubai. JJ, do we know where the Guptas were arrested? I'm telling you, my friend, this is one of the questions I also wanted to know. Because remember, I can tell you, it's unusual for a country on its own to arrest somebody in this way on a red notice. Normally, when that arrest takes place, it's when it's on an airport or, you know, somebody wants to leave the country or, or you know, mm. there's some issues and then they arrest him. Now, it seems to me from what I've read that the head of Interpol in Lyon, in France, he also comes from the UAE. So, and, and the UAE has been severely criticized from not exercising, you know, their rights to do these things. They signed other treaties okay. that, you know, we can't go into now. So I think there was a lot of pressure on the UAE to do something. And the fact that the head of the U of Interpol is from the UAE, I think was an additional bonus for South Africa, if I can put it that way. Yes. And that is the reason why I raised it. But I think this evidence will probably come out because, you know, there's some lawyers that's already there from South Africa to assist and that type of thing for, for the Guptas. And they will probably try to have a type of a bail application. And in that bail application, this evidence as to where they had been arrested maybe will become more visible. But I would love to hear you know, it was on at the luxury house that we believe they were, <laughs> or was it on their way to an airport or something? We don't know that yet. The, the scoop isn't in yet. He has a question from one of our viewers. Uh, Carl Edwards says, I have a question. Will we have the right people prosecuting the state capture accused? It is the only way we can be sure that the right processes are followed. I mean, will they put a top team on this? And the reason I ask this, I, I think the Senzo Miyiwa trial, we'll be watching this live footage of it at the yeah. moment, and a lot of people have been left unimpressed with the decorum, for example, of the defense uh, advocates uh, and the general state of affairs with investigations inside our forensic division in the police force. These kind of...
conversations that I hear people having going, oh, our standards, man. Uh, but you have a really good working knowledge of, of the NPA. What's the caliber of the, the attorneys and the advocates that will be placed on this case? You know, remember with these high-level cases, you know, if you talk about the Guptas and you talk maybe of other high-level people that will probably still be prosecuted, you know, this is not easy cases to do. I can tell you that. And I think, yeah, we've got expertise in the NPA. But I personally, you know, I know from previous cases, for example, there was a, there's a case at the moment in Joburg, you probably know about the Porrot case. Yes. You know, it's a case that's been running now for a few years. There is a, 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 a the prosecutor in that case is an advocate from the bar. He was appointed by the NPA just for that case. You know, he's, he's not involved with other cases. Now, internationally, it is not uncommon to appoint a prosecutor from outside the prosecution's division. Say, for example, somebody in private practice that is very familiar with these type of cases, that is... You know, I can take even some of the evidence leaders at Zondo, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that work with this type of case, because, you know, they're not cold on these cases. They know what the hell is going on. Mm. So I would really recommend a combination of uh, private lawyers and lawyers in the NPA, maybe some junior. I was also a junior, you know, many years ago. And it's, I can't tell you the experience that you gain in going with a senior person who's got the experience to see how the thing is working. It's also for you a development of your career. And I think the combination of private lawyers and local lawyers within the NPA would be the ideal combination in doing, for example, a case like the Guptas. You need a senior lawyer who's an SC to run this case. Because I can tell you, they will have SEs on their side, you know, that, that I can guarantee you. So we need to match them with a senior, respectable person that can run the case with other prosecutors that will also be part of the case. That That is my view on this. <laughs> now, you know, we've got viewers who play devil's advocates on everything on the show. Yes, Yunus Vahed. No, that's uh, good. Uh, I, I that's like good. it. I mean, I, I enjoy I enjoy being pushed and uh, and challenged. I really do. Say yes, Yunus. Yunus says it's going to take 10 years before the Gupta brothers appear on a South African court. Watch this space. It, it, could it take that long? No, I don't believe that. Not to be honest, you know, I, 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 you know, I was just, I just finalized the, when I was an NPA, this Manuel Chang case, he was the minister of finance. It's now been decided to go to the, the, the constitutional court, decided that he, there's no, no leave to appeal him as he'll be tried in America. That case took us three years from arrest, through the extradition proceedings, through the court cases and everything. Now, I don't know how the legal system works in in Dubai. You know, they've got a complete different legal system sure. than us in South Africa. Remember, we've common law here. Yeah. They they got a different legal system. Now, from the little I know, I know they they much more quicker than maybe other systems. But I think the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. I, I don't think it will take so long. Okay. And, Yes, it will take a time, you know, like, like Stephanie said, any person, you know, if you're in that position, you will make use of your right to, to, to a good lawyer and you will test the system. That is what they're there for. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I don't think it will, it will be so long. Well, you got I your, I, is, you got your skeptics in the room, I must tell you, because I see. Yes, I'm, no, that's fair. People has, can say that. I can understand where they come from because, yes, we, 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 a lot of people said they will never come. Never, ever will they come. Now they're here. Got it. Not the year, Got it. Okay, well, yes. yes. Let's take it from there and see. Yes. You know, we never know. Yes, Andres Monama, he says, a lot of people are happy about it, but let's face it, once they're extradited, they'll go on medical parole, they'll move in with uh, Zumuk or Nkandla, and uh, we'll never hear about them again. This is a country being led by ex-convicts. Convicts, I don't have much faith in the justice yes, system. Yes, I, I, I hear where you're coming from, and, you know, sometimes if you take for a shake that, he, you know, went on parole and he's, he's still, you know, it, it makes a mockery of the system yeah. i understand yeah. that and i also upset about those instances but i think you know i'm a bit you know i'm a, mainly an optimist yes i sometimes i also 
you know, uh, not so much, but I think we must, it's a positive development, ladies and gentlemen, please, we mustn't overlook the importance of what has happened. And we must believe in we've got a good legal system. Yes, we've got some problems. And yes, uh, Mr. Zuma has, has exploited that. But I think we've learned a lot through this. And I, I, I'm very positive that this thing will, in fact, uh, you know, stand the test of time. But the jury is still out. Yeah. You know, I can understand that. But I'm, I'm more positive than I was a few months ago, I must tell you. Got it. Well, if you've just joined us, welcome to the Outer Hour with you for another 26 minutes until 8 p.m. tonight. If you're watching live, remember you can put your comments and questions down below in the comments section on either Facebook or YouTube. Our guests tonight, Advocate JJ Detoy, Advocate Stefani Fick and Rudy Heineke join us to answer your questions. Pop them in the comment section. Lots of questions coming in. We're going to select as many as we can. Let me ask Rudy about the charges uh, that uh, they are facing, the free state charges, so-called free state charges. Rudy, what are the current charges? Well, mainly, uh, or let me start off by saying there's 17 accused in that, in that uh, case. Uh, only... What is it? I think six of them appeared, has been arrested and appeared. Uh, Iqbal Sharma, his brother-in-law, and the people from the Department uh, of Agriculture in the Free State. <clears throat> the, on the official side, you know, PFMA charges, and then there's money laundering charges and fraud charges brought against uh, the rest of the accused. Uh, where the two Gupta brothers and their wives came in is that at the end of, you know, a big uh, a movement of money from this account to the other and back and forth. Um, eventually, they received in the around about 21 or 19 million, sorry, 19, 20 million of the 25 that was paid out by the Department of Agriculture in the Free State. And that ended up in a company, a Gupta company called uh, Island Site, uh, where Rajesh and uh, Atul Gupta and their wives are the directors and they are charging in, 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 in terms of the criminal law uh, in their capacity as, as the directors of the company. So, uh, but I, I just want to add to what JJ said, and I think I share, I share his, I'm sharing his uh, optimism. If you look at the, uh, this free state case and the current transnet case uh, before court, um, and we all know that out uh, has been uh, you know, closely involved and worked together with the NPA at some stage on some of these matters. And um, I do believe that there's enough evidence. It is, you know, for the NPA to prepare well and to put the dock together and uh, get all the technical issues out of the way so that the uh, a trial can start. Um, but I am also, you know, optimistic in, in especially these two cases that, you know, it will, it, there, there can be a successful prosecution. Rudy, do you expect more charges to be added? I don't think uh, uh, more charges, but I do believe that more accused. Not so much in the Free State case, but uh, in the in the Transnet case, um, definitely I think there will be uh, more accused being uh, brought before court. Well, let's change gears uh, um, for a minute and speak about extradition because there are a lot of questions coming in around the extradition process. Uh, when I think of extradition, I think of how impossible it's been to extradite uh, accused from Australia, for example. I, you know, the Brett Kebble uh, murder comes to mind and some of those uh, suspects have never never faced the music in South Africa. Um, is, is it likely, JJ, that we're going to see the Guptas extradited? And here's a question from Leonard van der Leitgarten who says, how long for extradition if all goes according to book? Yeah, I think I think I can fully understand that people want sort of timelines and understand. Yes, we were waiting so long. You know, how long is it going to be again? And, you know, people, you know, for what has happened over the few far past few years, one can understand it. But I think everything must be put in perspective. Uh, as I said to you in the beginning, the NPA's got sixty days now to file the formal proper extradition application, if I can call it that way. In that application, one will now, when it's introduced into court, uh, will probably then also make public. Then you will see for the first time now, except now for the Bluefontein charges, which we know will be there, 
but there may be other charges that they want to add, you know, to to the charge because the the, the issue with extradition, and it's probably not so well known. There's a rule in extradition. It's also in the treaty. It's called the rule of speciality. Now, what that means is that if you extra ask for extradition, and you ask for six count of fraud, et cetera, et cetera, for say, for example, say for for the Bluefontein case and transit and that, if that person is extradited and he appears in court, you cannot now add another count or another charges to that count because you have, when you apply, have to exactly say what the charges you are uh, going for this person to be prosecuted for. If other charges as, uh, can be later added, but then you also have to inform that country that you know, we've asked for this. This is additional charges that we want to go. Will you have any objection in order to extradite them? This is how it works internationally. It's not just the Guptas. It works internationally like this. So the process depends on the legal system of the country. And as I've said, I don't know enough of the legal system. We must understand that it will probably be according to Arabic with the, uh, and I, I can't know the specific legal system that sure. is there, but they, they've got different legal systems. If you go to the UK, it's common law. If you go to France or Netherlands, it's civil law system. You've got so Islamic law in the UAE, yeah. It's yeah. Islamic, it'll probably be some sort of Islamic law. We know what happened with Saddam Hussein. How did that guy start? He was convicted. Within a week, it was uh, bill was refused, and within a week, it was extradited. It was, uh, you know, hanged. Mm. So that that took in two weeks. Now, I'm not saying they're going to follow that procedure in Dubai that that quickly. But the thing is, you you have to give the right of the person that is being asked to be extradited also sufficient leeway for him or her to prepare their trial during the extradition process. And it doesn't matter who you are. Every country in the world works like that. It's sure. not just South Africa that's it. So give them sufficient time. They, he will appoint lawyers that will challenge it. But I think if we do a proper application from South Africa and we uh, do it with the necessary diligence, I think we will be, we will be successful. Because remember, extradition is not a trial. It's not a mm. trial. All that they say there is sufficient evidence for you to go back to your country and then when you've been tried in South Africa then you have your full rights of everything during the trial but it's not a, a mini trial extradition that is normally run on papers on documentation there's no witnesses that will testify and that type of thing like in a normal criminal trial but you also want to make sure and the other country also want to make sure that there's at least sufficient evidence for him to be sent back some to fairness, the country yeah. of origin. Yeah, there must be some fairness. Sure. Um, I'm thinking of the words flight risk. Uh, we know the Guptas mm. didn't stick around in South Africa very long. Uh, they got in that ZSOAK jet of theirs and uh, jetted off outside of the... And gone. They were gone. We've <laughs> never seen them again. Um, if they... Will, will the... Uh, perhaps it's an unfair question because we're delving into the, the, the legal process in Dubai, but your best guess, perhaps, uh, will, they, will they be eligible to apply for bail once there's this red notice and, and they've been arrested? Could they apply for bail think, in, in Dubai? I, I don't know the legal system, but, but I, can, I, I can imagine that there will be that opportunity to, to do so. But remember now, if you're a flight risk, that will be one of the factors that any court in the world will take into account when they consider whether to, uh, you know, to grant this person yeah. For example, yes. and that is why, we, as we talked before, what were the circumstances when they were arrested? Were they just at the house watching TV and the mm. police walked in mm. and arrested him? Because then they will say, but I had no intention to, to flee this country. You know, you, you yeah. never know what the facts are until you hear them. And I think we'll have to wait and to see uh, for that. But, you know, I know the lawyers who went overseas, you know, I've, I've also appeared against them. They're very competent lawyers from South Africa. So they will look at all avenues there because they, they, they're being paid by the client to, to do the best that they can do for them. But I think it will be very, very difficult in the circumstances of this case for, 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 for any bail to be fixed. But, 
you know, this is just a view. I'm not saying well, it's going to yeah, happen, but you know, from previous experience, it's very difficult to get bail under these circumstances. And now what you, what you were saying earlier, you'd love to know where they were arrested, what the circumstances were, because if they were climbing up the steps to uh, getting onto a private jet to flee Dubai, that would make, that would make things very different, wouldn't it? Uh, let me ask. It would, it would. Let me ask Stefani Fick about uh, the local local bail conditions, and uh, he has a he has a comment from Adair Cross. Adair says they will get out on bail here. Stefani, what do you think? Well, bail is normally about um, you know bail proceedings is not about whether you're guilty or not. Bail is about whether you will stand trial. The, the court wants to um, be sure that you will come back for every appearance. You will be in court so that justice can so that the the, the um, justice can take its course and that we can finalise the matter. So it really is about: Do we think that they will stand trial? I think I have to agree that they will. I think they will find it difficult to um, prove that you know they will stay put because they have the means, they have the ability. What you can um, suggest, and that is normally what the, the defense do, is I will hand in my passport, I will um, I will report to the police station. I've heard so many horror stories about accused actually coming to court and say, listen, you wanted me to go and report to the police station. They don't even know I, I have to report. Uh, they didn't have a book where I need to sign. So it, 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 um, I just don't think our system is foolproof. Um, in the sense that you can give people with means an ability to um, um, uh, to give them bail because you can't monitor them. But let's see. I mean, again, it is um, uh, the state will have an opportunity to say, well, uh, why bail should not be given. It will probably be, I have to think now on my feet, I don't know if this will be a Schedule 5 and 6 to be very technical. It depends on what type of crime they are eventually found, um, found guilty of charged with sure. and whether it's schedule five and six and it depends on who needs to show what so sometimes it's the accused that needs to show that there's circumstances why they should get bail otherwise they will remain in custody but i think the circumstances here for me i think sort of leaning towards i hope the state opposes bail uh, because that for some other reason if people are in jail the process goes on very fairly quicker than it is when they are on on bail Sure. And and yeah, understandably so. Debbie Stephenson says bail shouldn't be considered given that they've already proved to be a flight risk when they left here initially. JJ, uh, do you have anything to add to that? So I agree with that. I think for the type of crimes we're looking at, uh, you know, with our legal procedure here in South Africa, the owners will be on them to show it's in the interest of justice for them to be released. And I, you know, I've done many extradition applications in South Africa, and I can tell you, if you're talking about cases of this magnitude and of these things, it's a, they normally don't get any bail because of the fact that uh, they are fugitive of justice and because of the seriousness of the offenses and that. Uh, you know, the, the judges are vo normally very, you know, aware of the circumstances in the case. I'm not going to prejudge this thing, but I think the facts and you know it all depends also when they when they extradite it for example what are the charges that they will have to face yeah you know and I, that is normally as, as stephanie said it's not a question you know if you're guilty or not it's a question the court must look to the charges and that's why it was so interesting in this case last week the prosecutor did not disclose that indictment because he agreed to bail because because normally the first thing that defense asks you is where's the indictment because I need to make sure whether the onus is on me or on the state to apply for bail. And you have to give him it is right. But if you agree to bail, like the prosecutor did, it's not necessary to show that indictment. So I'm also suspecting that there are more names on that indictment that will probably be later be added. That is why, in a certain extent, that wasn't disclosed to the defense because there was no objection against bail. <clears throat> Uh, Stefani, why is this important for South Africans and South Africa? I mean, when you when you zoom out and you you look at our our country, we see corruption everywhere. I mean, when I use the word everywhere, I don't use it lightly. Everywhere, 
you, you know, you can go into any ministry, you can go into any municipality, you can go into most supply chain agreements, and you're going to find some sort of kickback or some kind of quid pro quo or scratching each other's back almost in every corner of South Africa. Why is this one particular case so important? I think it's it's it is important because they brought South Africa to its knees. I think we we are now seeing um you know the devastation that corruption can cause. Um I mean let's take the petrol price. Um and because of you know the economy in our in and the policy and the, and the fact that we probably will not you know we struggle to get investment in 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 South Africa the rand dollar exchange rate is a nightmare um we can see the effects i mean do we have a rail system left because we don't have money to mm. um maintain that we uh, load shedding because escom was literally like judge john just said was controlled by the guptas it was and the the bottom fell out. Now the people need to get ESCOM back on track. Um, there's political interference. So why it's so important is because we've seen the devastation, and I think there needs to be um, there needs to be some accountability. And I think um, it is actually sad that we are all discussing, you know, three brothers and how glad we are and then we're not because it's going to take a while. So it's a whole conversation about um, these individuals, which is good. And I think it is extremely good news. But may I just say this? We also need to discuss what are we doing, not just historically, but going forward, what are we going to do to eradicate corruption in South Africa? Because what happened after state capture? PPE corruption. Yeah. And that... Um, Politically, we need to seriously start tackling this issue um, because it has an impact on all levels of society, all levels of society. And you can say what you want. Um, it really is horrific, um, the amount of corruption. But, you know, just looking at Rudy, Rudy can tell you the, the, the sheer magnitude of state capture. Of course, they need to come here so that they can stand trial and that we can finally, you know, if they're found guilty, that they can go to jail. While we've got a few minutes left with uh, Advocate JJ Detoy, let me put this uh, question to him from Claire Feldman. Claire says the transnet corruption was far bigger than the Estina dairy farm matter. Why doesn't the MPA extradite them on that basis? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think uh, as I... Uh, tried maybe to explain uh, a few minutes ago uh, you know the red notice was issued on the Bluefontein case now I don't know the status of the other cases that they allegedly are involved in we haven't seen any announcements publicly except the Bluefontein case so as I've said and I think at the moment uh, you know knowing how the system works there will be big debate in the NPA as to what other counts they can add to the ones in Bloemfontein. And it may be the one that she's mentioning sure. will be added, but I can't tell that. I, I'm, not, I'm not involved with that, and I think it will be irresponsible for me to, to, to make some announcements without knowing what the facts are. But I can assure you that uh, there will be debate on these issues uh, it may be that there's some, maybe some other investigations and some indictments that's pending that hasn't been released, but we're speculating now. I think at the moment we know the Bluefontein case. Hopefully, there will be other cases that uh, will be added. If not, you can put a type of a caveat in the extradition application to say that in due course, after certain investigations have been completed, we may request you know, the country again, to also allow us to add other counts, which may not be part of the extradition application at the moment, because let's let's just talk this thing through. Say, for example, I'm just taking as an example. Yeah. The case will take a year or two to do. Now, in that period, it's not that every other thing are stopping here. We can still, we can still, at a certain stage when we're ready, and when we're ready, that's the important thing, we can still then add a supplemental request or anything else and say we want to add this to our original application. You know, it's a very fluent situation. And I, okay. I personally think it's in the interest of justice 
that we should get as most cases possible that we can prosecute them for, that is trial ready and we're ready for. But I cannot, who they, what cases they are, I cannot talk on this at, at this place because I don't. Know. Got it. And we won't force you, I promise you, Advocate Detoy. Uh, let's see, um, Rudy Einicke, what do you, what does Outer predict the next steps will be? Rudy, make a prediction. We're going to squeeze you, Rudy. <laughs> like I said uh, earlier, um, you know, the 13th of July, the next appearance of the uh, six accused in the Transnet case, uh, that will be very interesting. I think uh, some of the questions that Jaja just, you know, left or answers that he didn't give, uh, maybe some of the answers will be given there and maybe the indictment will be made public and we can see who are the other accused. Um, I do also want to um, say that, uh, remember, uh, a few weeks ago, the NDPP announced that nine sem seminal cases, uh, uh, you know, will be brought to court uh, within the next six months. Uh, that tells me, and, and obviously after that, two cases have been in court, the, uh, the Rehabilitation Fund case as well as the Transit case. So it shows me that um, uh, they are ready to, to uh, proceed with more cases, and hopefully they are ready within the six months. And uh, I think exactly what JJ said then is that in the six months coming and new, char new cases, new charges, we will know and see if the Gupta brothers and the Gupta family and hopefully Salim Esa would be charged mm. on, uh, on on serious uh, allegations. Looking at some of the comments coming in, we clean up the comments now. Madeline Gutsch says, all in, I think this will send looters a clear message. Caroline Marks down in the Cape says, there are thousands of Gupta wannabes out there. Clear warning needs to be sent. I'm thinking of uh, recent developments in the Hamilton Glovu uh, story where he has now been banned or barred from doing business with the state. Perhaps if we banned, barred more and more business people who have proven to be corrupt in their dealings with government and stopped, in doing, stopped them doing business with government at the same time, charge those who, uh, who have been involved in corruption and malfeasance, that the right message will be sent slowly but surely you'll know that in South Africa, if you steal taxpayers' money, you go to jail. Right now, the situation is not that, I don't think. We've still got a way to go. Let me echo what Claire Feldman has said tonight and thank Advocate Detoy for the great explanation and also for his contribution on the show tonight. Advocate Detoy, we've got a minute or two left. Is there anything you'd like to add to this conversation for the benefit of our Outer Hour viewers? My friends, I think one mustn't underestimate what has happened with this uh, arrest of the two Gupta brothers. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon development. Yes, a lot of water must still go into the sea before we get them here and we get them tried. I, I know that, but you should never, never give up. You know, we've got a lot of experiences all over the world. As I explained to you, I worked internationally. Sometimes when we look for this carriages for 12 years, I also got pessimistic and say, will we ever find this guy? But at the end of the day, we did. We gave him a trial. He was convicted. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. It took us maybe 18 to 20 years, but justice was done. And we should never, ever give up. Even if it takes time, we get pessimistic sometimes, and I can understand that people get there, but never lose hope. And, and we must just get on and get it done because we owe it to our country. We owe it to a lot of poor people that didn't get money where they're supposed to get it. And I think at the end of the day, maybe in a few years' time from now, hopefully we will, we will uh, you know, have dealt with some of these cases because we absolutely need these prosecutions. I'm convinced about it, and we must get good teams, experienced people that come from the private sector and come from the public center to do these cases because our whole reputation as a nation depends on how we're going to deal this, with these prosecutions, and we yeah. mustn't mess up yet. Thank you. Well, I hope we have you on the show in the future because I, for one, have thoroughly enjoyed the show with you tonight, Advocate JJ Detoy. Thank you, sir, for joining us this evening. And we, hope, you, it, we, we hope it's not the last time. You've brought a lot of energy and knowledge to the outer hour, and we appreciate that. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And a good night to you. And let's say good night to the rest of the team. You see them on screen now. Rudy Heinecke and Advocate Stefani Fick representing Outer on the show tonight. Thank you both for your time this evening and can't wait for the next chat on the Outer Hour. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, uh, Stefani.
Thank you, Tom, and thanks to uh, the two former prosecutors that I could share this, uh, the, the room with. And good night to you, Stefani you, Fick. You know, you've got a fan club here. People that blow kisses and, and hearts at you are on the show. So I think they deserve something in return. Eh? <laughs> and there it is. There's a little heart. Everybody. This show is just is excellent. Thank you, team. Thank you, Tom and Advocate Toy. It was really, it was an honor. And Rudy, thank you. Yeah, you did, you did great work. You should really compliment yourself. You know, it wasn't for... For you, a lot of these things would not have been exposed. So you also have to take a credit for this, really. And that's the team on the Outer Hour tonight. Well, that's it for another Outer Hour. For the next seven days, we'll catch you again on Facebook Live and YouTube Live next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Make sure you join us on the live show because you get to interact with our guests. Put the comments and questions in the comment section down below the video. For the next seven days, I wish you love. I hope you get it. I hope you receive it. I hope you give it. I wish you a bit of money in your pocket. I wish you warmth because it's going to be chilly over the next week in South Africa. And uh, most of all, I hope that you come back next Wednesday at 7 p.m. to join us on another Out of Date. Don't be late. 7 p.m. is when it is. Until then, I'm Tom London, and I miss you already. Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters.